I relate to this to the show a lot because my family migrated here. I'm actually a first gen. So born and raised, went to school here, but I've also seen a lot of the struggles of being Latino in America. Hey, this is KA. You're now listening to What Men Here podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, follow, comment, all that good stuff. And today I have a special guest in the studio, Stacy. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. I can't complain. What would you like rate uh, your state of life right now from a one through ten? An eight. <laughs> an eight. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Why an eight? Um, because there's a lot going on right like now. What? Like I'm moving. I'm working on a show. Okay. Careers. There's a lot going on. So okay. an eight. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Okay. How's your weekend been going? Good. Good. Productive. Okay. Exhausting, but good. Big plans for the fourth or just kicking in and relaxing? Mm-mm. No? Kicking in and relaxing. Okay. Yeah, I'm moving in um, to an apartment on the third. Okay. So probably doing a lot of like housekeeping stuff mm-hmm. and whatever I can clean or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, doing it then. But. Dang. Okay. So the listeners might not know, but you're actually from Jersey, right? Yes, I am. And I know we had a little conversation when we first met about pizza. So have you tried any new pizza places? Out here? Yeah, yeah, No. No? <laughs> did you? Because I'm trying to think. Did I, I, told, I think I told you about Benny's, right? In Pl- yes. In, um... Benny's Passes. Okay. And North Italia, they have pretty good pizza, too. Listen, you still got to go to Stagioni's. Stagioni's is my favorite. Okay. I, I'm going to check that out. There's just like, um, it's got like fresh mozzarella, this pistachio sauce, and I think it's prosciutto and arugula on it. It's, it's, it's really good. Something about prosciutto is just, it just hits different. I know. You're a big charcuterie person? Huh? Charcuterie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you can't go wrong. Really? Yeah, you can't go wrong. Where's your, like, Where go-to place to, like, source for stuff? So, Harris Teeter. Okay. If Publix isn't around, but Harris Teeter has a pretty good selection. Okay. For, like, their cheeses and olives and stuff to actually put on there. You might have to send me a picture of a board. Okay. Yeah. And I decided to make one. Okay. <laughs> I, no, I like you. I like Charcuterie a lot. My sister actually got me a um, board for, I think it was my birthday. It's got my name in it and everything. It's super nice. That's bougie. Yeah. I like that. I, I do it all the time, though, especially when I have like people over. Mm-hmm. Like I, my favorite is uh, Trader Joe's because they have like a bunch of different jellies and jams and mm. then like cra- crackers and like dried fruits and all types of stuff. So I haven't went to Trader Joe's to get like the jams and stuff. Oh, they got all types hmm. of stuff. I I just gave uh away somebody it was kind of this um Thanksgiving type jelly. It was like cranberries, orange, and some other stuff. Have you ever had Dutch Kitchen's apple butter? Uh-uh. What's that? I have to put you on, man. Um, so apple butter is kind of like it's it's like kind of like jam, mm-hmm. but with the applesauce consistency. Mm-hmm. It's really good. What do you put it on like? Toast. You could put it on like a bagel. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to have cream cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be a good substitution for jelly. And I think it's actually a North Carolina like farm company that makes it. I'm gonna definitely go back and look that because I mm-hmm. well I might have people over for uh for for July. I'm not sure, but if I do, I'll definitely try and get the apple butter because it sounds really good. Yeah, the apple butter is bomb. Yeah, but the switch gears. You're an actress. Yes, I am. And you do theater. Yes. So I tell do. me about that, because I know you got like a little little something going on. But um, how did you first get started into like acting and theater? Um, and 
So I was always passionate with performing since I was a little kid. Okay. Um, in elementary school, whenever they would do like the school plays, mm-hmm. you always find me in that. If it was anything musically, I was in chorus, bands. What instrument did you play? Flute, trumpet, and how? And those are, the mouthpieces are so different. Like yeah, honestly though, I think that's why I probably was my fittest then. Okay, <laughs> because you have to have so much wind yes yeah, so much wind <laughs> so just everything like you're using your diaphragm your lungs you just have to be able to birth control mm-hmm. to be able to use the tube because you're it's a lot the flute is the same but what i love about the flute is just the airiness of it ah yeah you ever try to play piccolo no that was even smaller they're like yeah the they're so much piano, smaller so. but i've Okay, it's gonna be me sound like a hater, but I like the flute a little more than than than, than the piccolo. Okay, for sure. Okay, because at least like, the flute has like a range. The piccolo is just like super high. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the piccolo could be used for features, but <laughs> the main <laughs> highlight is the flute. Okay, okay. And so, um, so you said you've been doing this basically pretty much all your life. So mm-hmm. I know you said you had like uh, stage management stage management experience. So like yes. what was your first, I guess, like gig and how did you feel like going into that? So my first experience as a stage manager, um, actually being a stage manager was an undergrad. Oh, wow. Because I was an assistant stage manager, which is a completely different ballgame because you're just helping out. Like yeah, you're just yeah. an extra pair of hands. Um, but being the stage manager, you're in charge of handling schedules, of setting up meetings. It's kind of like a project manager, but just in theater. Dang, it sounds like basically like being a quarterback yeah. for the coach for the entire show. Yeah. So what did you study in school? Um, so I was a theater major with performance concentration. Like what type of classes did you take? Like improv? Um, and So classes that, that we took... Um, we're like acting one, acting two, like intro to theater performance, um, stage dialects. Mm-hmm. Um, I dropped out. So you can do like an accent and stuff? I dropped out that class. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so you have like those type of classes. One of my favorite classes was was called In In Your Face Theater. So we read and broke down a lot of plays that, you don't really see them being put on now because mm-hmm. it'll make people question a lot or make people feel uncomfortable. Oh, wow. Um, and that's why it's called In Your Face because it's like, it really makes you question like your morale sometimes. And um, wow. one of my favorite plays from that class is The Beauty Queen of Lanan. Mm-hmm. Hands, hands down, one of my favorite plays. I swear by that play. Can we like still go out and see it now or... Ooh, no, I'm not. I think that is one play that I want to like put on. If I direct mm-hmm. the play, that's probably one. That's would probably be the play that I would want to direct. Okay. For sure. That's what's up. And so um, I know you said like one of your goals is to kind of like run your own production, um, kind of like studio. Mm-hmm. And you had like uh, inspirations from like Tyler Perry and Issa Rae. So what do you what are kind of like the steps, uh, I guess, to like starting one and like making one? Because it seems like a lot of work. Like It definitely is a lot of work. Um, I've met up with a lot of people in Charlotte mm-hmm. that own theater companies. 
and you know just asking the difference what's you know do you prefer like would you rather have an LLC now that you have a nonprofit and you know just kind of hearing what they said it kind of scared me a little bit <laughs> the whole non nonprofit round um route because you have a board of people that are basically like managing you mm-hmm. and you want to have people on that board that you know work in finance that can at least tell you no yeah um and i love that idea but it also scares me but i think that's also something that would come with growth mm-hmm. um so it would be a lot of work definitely been told to kind of just do things um without having the title of hey i'm a company yeah until i get to a point okay okay yeah. that's what's up and so um i know we spoke a little bit earlier but you actually uh like rehearsing for a play right now and it's called um how to make an american son so what's kind of i guess like the theme or the story behind that so how to make an american son is talking about the immigrant lifestyle so mm-hmm. the playwright actually wrote that play for his father like oh, wow and i love you letter mm-hmm. um and it's talking about it's showing two different perspectives um showing the perspective my character is the only female in the play and i've done research in that time period it was in the early 2000s only six percent of latinos were in a leadership role, mm-hmm. whether that's like a GM, yeah. having some type of, you know, title. Um, and because that 6% being a female in a leadership role was very slim, mm-hmm. especially being a Spanish female. And I did that research and I kind of based that around that. And the play is highlighting um, a father-son where the father migrated here, struggled and really made something of himself and gave his son everything, but his son doesn't know the value of a dollar, doesn't know how grateful he is. He's just so assimilated to the American lifestyle that he mm-hmm. doesn't know he's actually Latino, that he doesn't know, hey, like these are your roots. So in the play, he says certain things like, why come to America and not learn the language? Like, I thought you come here to have a better lifestyle. Yeah. So there's things like that, which are a little bit triggering because I'm like, okay, you know, you're just only viewing this in one way. Um, But that's kind of the story where like his dad doesn't really teach him that. And the son has such a mouth on him (laughs) that he ruins it for his dad. And his dad loses 50% of his business because the son is just running his mouth. Jeez. Yeah. Have you seen uh, Elemental? No, I have not. It's actually pretty good. If you get some time, go see that. It just came out not too long ago. It it reminds me of something kind of similar. I'm not going to like spoil it, mm-hmm. but it's a really good movie. So my follow-up question is, how do you identify with this play? Because I feel like most actors or actresses have to find... Um, a connection with the actual play that's going on, I guess, to use that to resonate them playing their character. Is that true? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know that some people, in a perfect world, you would love 
to act in something that you can actually relate to. Mm-hmm. And you would want to see actors play roles that they can relate to. Um, so I have been lucky to have worked on shows that I have been able to relate to the character one mm-hmm. way or another. Um, I relate to this to this show a lot because my family migrated here. I'm actually a first gen. So born and raised, went to school here, but I've also seen a lot of the struggles of being Latino in America and having your parents not speak good English and just the barrier that comes with it when it comes to work and the, the responsibilities that you take on as a first gen when it comes to like, in Latin America, it's like, you take care of your parents. Mm -hmm. You know, your parents don't really, it's ideal, you know, for your parents to kind of have like a plan for when they retire and stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's really more of like, you're taking care of your parents. Like they look at you like, once I get older, I know you're going to be taking care of me and whatever happens financially, like that's just, that's just our culture. Mm -hmm. And um, that's kind of something that I'm going through right now where it's like, I'm trying to find myself and grow as as a person, but now my mom's getting older. What am I going to do with my mom? Now, every decision kind of comes down to, can I do this because financially it'll help me and my mom out, or should I just do this because it's an opportunity for me to grow? Mm-hmm. So those are always things that I have to think about. No, I get it. Just because um, one of my buddies, his um, his parents are elder and they actually like live in mexico and stuff like that so we had like some stuff going on but no i completely get it because like my grandma she used to have dementia when uh she was still here and she like moved in with my parents and stuff so that made me think like dang i probably should ask my parents like what age do they like want to like move in and what do they want to do in their (laughs) retirement and they can't take care of themselves they want to go to a home like all that type of stuff so i think that's one conversation i plan on having with them but no that's what's up rough combo (laughs) oh yeah i bet it is like but i've I got like a whole list. Eventually, I do want to have like my parents on and stuff because there's some stuff I want to talk to them about. Um, just learn how it was like raising me and all types of stuff. So I'm super excited about that. But um, I know you said this is a little bit early. You said uh, controlling your diaphragm and stuff. So through my research, I saw you used to sing. So tell me about your music career. <laughs> Dang, I forgot yeah. everything's on the internet. I found you on uh, where was uh, it's not um SoundCloud. Y'all found your SoundCloud. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, SoundCloud is. You had an old album on there. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I love music. Music is is my passion. I love writing. Mm-hmm. I am getting into production. I love mixing. I'm not sure if that is something that I want to make as a career because I love it so much. Mm-hmm. And you know how sometimes when you're passion and something that is kind of your escape if you make that into a career it's not it won't feel the same. same yeah um and that time period i had a lot going on and i invested a lot in my music and i think people don't really speak about how expensive it is to be an artist yeah how expensive it is to be a singer a rapper someone that's just in the music industry at least with acting, like you can submit auditions, you know, you can invest in, in your craft and you can find things. But when it comes to music, 
you want to have the best quality of things. And I love having the best quality of things. Like, you're not going to find my music and be like, ooh, this was a mix pretty bad. Yeah. Um, But that, it, it comes with an expense. Yeah. For sure. And you, I know you said you, like, learned a lot of editing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, like, what all tools have you kind of, like, mastered through that journey? Because you, you know, like, video editing and stuff too, right? Yes. I can't say I mastered anything because mm-hmm. I'm always going to be a student. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always going to be a new program out. There's always going to be a new way of doing something faster. It's really more of what I'm comfortable with and just kind of following my instinct. Yeah. So I think that's just the beauty within editing. Like whatever you find beautiful or something that you like to hear, you can add that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I actually saw a video on uh, I think it was TikTok the other day where they actually have AI that will master music for you. Yes, it's crazy the stuff that's I, out now. I will say, I will say, when I just have like a mix, mm-hmm. like I just laid something out, I will I put my I put my song "Cry" and circles through through an AI mm-hmm. for it to just be like mastered. Um, so I can at least hear what that sounds like. But um, shout out to Bebe. Um, she's the engineer that I I can't trust anyone else. Like mm-hmm. that is a person that if I am going to record something even out here, I will go up to her studio in Jersey and be like, hey, can like we record this? And just she's just great. <laughs> like she's so talented. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. I mean, I have like my go-to people. Like, um, I got uh, a photographer who I always go to to like take pictures and stuff. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Dion. I'm, I, I probably should have him on here. I got to hit him up. I hadn't talked to yeah, him. Yeah, Dion. While. He's gonna he gonna get you on here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I am. I am. Um, I know I'll be changing gears a little bit, but um, I just want to make sure I covered all the bases because we had a pretty good conversation when we first met. And uh, one of the other things that stuck out to me was uh, mental health. Mm. And so, um, you actually go to therapy. I do. Yeah. How long you been going? Um, on and off, I would say since I was probably fifteen. You got me beat then. But yeah, I only been but going like four steadily, years. Steadily, I would say, um, probably for the past year. What type of uh, therapy do you do? Because I do. I think it's like behavioral cognition therapy. Um, so that's what I do. Hmm. There's a bunch of different stuff like um. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, <laughs> Cogn- yeah, it's cognitive. I go to cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. There's um, I can't remember all the different types, but you know, uh, Jonah Hill, he had a um, documentary where he had his therapist on. I can't remember what their specialty was, but it was completely different from mine. Hmm. I think I told you uh, I had my therapist on, and um, yeah. we talked for like two hours. I only asked him yeah. seven questions. I'm still editing it now. <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna drop it as like one super super long episode. I think I might split it up into like. Uh, episode for each question because it was it was a really good conversation Mm. it was super good but um so what i guess drove you into therapy because like that's pretty young especially like at 15 like i don't think my parents would know like what therapy is or how to go find one or anything right um i was i was really lucky that my dad was the one that put me in therapy Mm -hmm. um i was suicidal when i was younger oh wow and that just seemed like the escape for me. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know what? I hate this. Like, I just want to be out. And it came with a lot of stuff that I've seen and dealt with as a kid. Mm-hmm. 
And luckily, going to therapy at a younger age helped me realize that generational trauma is a thing. Yeah, there's a book. It's, um, I can't remember what it's called. It's basically that shows like all that stuff is still inside your body. Yeah. Yeah. It's still inside. And there's things that the older I've gotten, I've learned how to forgive and how to just really work around people because mm-hmm. you can't change people, especially like our parents and aunts and uncles. They're just the way that they are. We can't change them. And it's frustrating, but I think what really just brought me back to therapy was my last year in undergrad. Um, I was super stressed out with like two shows that I was working on. And the first show that I worked on was called Jump. And Jump Jump hit a little close to home um, because it was about two sisters and a dad. And the dad was, you know, was a single father. And um, the one sister jumped from the bridge. Mm-hmm. And the sister that is alive sees her sister as a ghost, but doesn't really, you know, like, yeah. realize that. Um, she thinks that she's just there, but the dad just denies it. And it's just, it's a show about how in the community of color, how we just don't really acknowledge things mm-hmm. like our pain or anything. We just say we deal with silence, with us being aggressive, with us drinking. Like we find so many different outlets ex- except communicating. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's what's frustrating. So that's what the show was about. And then I worked on another show literally two days after called Pippin. That <laughs> show stressed the heck out. Oh, so much. I can't even think about it mm-hmm. but i just reached my point and i looked at my mentor in undergrad and i'm just crying and i was like i gotta go and i literally sat on the top of the um garage on campus and i was like i'll just die here and something just told me to call and i called and i ended up being admitted in undergrad mm-hmm. um that was rough you know Because I was like, I'm not crazy. I shouldn't be here. But it was probably one of the most life-changing experiences, for sure. I'm grateful. And that's crazy that you say that and had those experiences just because, like, I know there's been, I think it was, like, Michael B. Jordan. I think Mm -hmm. he went to therapy after the um, Black Panther movie and stuff like that. It's crazy how um, you guys actually take on stuff from plays. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Like, I don't see – well – do they have like mental health services for like plays and stuff to like help with managing people taking on that kind of like baggage? Because they do for productions that are really sensitive to depression mm-hmm. um, or just the mental health. Yeah. Rome, but I will say like the last show that I worked on in undergrad was really tough. And I, I took a break. Mm-hmm. I definitely took a break to have to find Stacy again. Yeah, yeah. But it's really all about telling yourself, like, this is this is my character right now. Yeah, yeah. This is Stacy. Because sometimes I was on set and I would get so deep into the character. Mm-hmm. And I was telling myself, because I had a scene where I'm like, I'm dying. I'm dying. And I had to have the whole body language. But I feel... In that moment, like my whole body shutting down 
and I had to tell myself, wait, no, give me a moment. They're like, is everything okay? I was like, I felt my whole body. Like, this is Stacy. I had to tell my brain yeah. that. Because if not, like, I felt my body, like, just going numb. And it's a real thing, like, how powerful your brain is. So you just have to know that switch. Yeah. So what are some of the tools that you've learned from, like, therapy and stuff? Because, I mean, I mean um, I've learned a lot. I think it's really helped with my demeanor, my temperament, how I view the world, um, how I view relationships. So what are some of the tools that you've picked up that you kind of like maneuver out in the world with? Um, well, definitely asking for my space, advocating for myself. Oh, wow. Why? Because if I'm angry and I know my temper, uh-huh. I'm just going to be like, you know what? Let me just take that back <laughs> so I can approach the situation differently. Yeah. Um, and it sucks because a lot of people whoever's out there watching this <laughs> don't respect whenever someone advocates and says, I just need space. And if someone's just saying, Hey, I need space to kind of collect my thoughts or whatever, respect that. Because if you don't and they blow up, then it's, Oh, but you're, you're blowing up. Like you can't control your temper. You can't this, you can't that. No, I asked you and clearly you do not respect it's me. Like self-defense. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, I I lay down a boundary. Right. I expect for you to respect it, but no, I get that because a lot of people, like especially like in heated arguments, they yeah. they just want to keep going and going. Oh, you're walking and, away. Yeah, you're yeah. walking away because you can't handle the truth. You do the egg you on. Shut up! Yeah. Don't don't try to guess. You can't tell me what I'm feeling. I read this in the book the other day. It's like violence is easy, but peace is actually hard. Mm-hmm. So I think the person who like walks away and is like in calm and stuff, I feel like they have more internal strength and um personal self-discipline than the other person because yeah. it's easy to act out and be angry and uh punch people and hit but to actually just sit and be still and not react like that yeah. takes way more courage well right now with with social media mm-hmm. you just see the imbalance as a whole mm-hmm. you know um because if you don't defend yourself if you don't fight back Oh, you're weak. You're a B. You're this. You're that. But if you do fight back, it's like you have a whole different level of of respect. Yeah. But now you're sitting here wondering, well, how come I can't get a job? How come I can't this? How come everything's on social media? Oh yeah. Everything's on social media. People that have openly acted racist towards other people and made them feel uncomfortable have been fired from jobs. So. It's like jail, but public jail. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, like what is it? The court, of public, yeah, the court yeah. of public opinion. Like, yeah. um, the guy from, um, I'm so bad with names, but he was from. Really? Because you, you be popping out names. I'm singing, really? I'm like. Uh. I think it's because well, it's like I have a lot of stuff that's going on in my head uh-huh. at the same time. But I remember like certain aspects. I know he's the guy from Ant-Man. He mm-hmm. was in um, Creed, the, bo- the black dude. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So like they. Sorry, black dude. We know your work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he got fired. Um, uh-huh. All the contracts and stuff canceled because of that allegation. Turns out it was false. And now he's going back and suing yeah. her. So it's crazy because it's like once it all uh, got out, like everybody believed it like it was true and everybody walked away and stepped away and stuff. Yeah. And it, it's crazy how the court of like public opinion is now and how even like comedy and stuff like that have to be like toned down because there's a lot of. Yes. comedians that could not do their sets today. I'm pretty sure there's plays like that too. Yeah. 
Wow. Actually, because like you mentioned that I've had this conversation a few times where, sorry, that is my phone. Oh, no, I thought it was me. <laughs> sorry. No, you're good. Um, you're good. But I've had this conversation and I've, and I've mentioned it to someone. I said, to what extent does art just change because of what's going on now? Like, yeah. it's not, it's I It's not think art that, anymore. Yeah. It's losing this It's not, it's honesty. not even a history anymore yeah. either because- you know, I I mentioned it to someone and I said, if there is a play that is going on in the early 2000s or in the 70s, we can't put it on now because it's insensitive to the crowd now. It's like you're trying to rewrite history to fit what's going on now. Yeah.